Hello, hello, and welcome to Sustainability Explored. Every week, this podcast navigates a new topics through interviews with the most disruptive minds in sustainability. My name is Anna. I'm a sustainability consultant and the host of this show. Today with us, we have Julie Coraccio, an award-winning professional life and end-of-life organizer, author and certified life coach. Julie is passionate about supporting people in clearing clutter in all areas of their lives, getting organized and becoming more mindful and aware. She was the first person in the state of North Carolina to be an eco-organizer and do green decluttering and have won national and regional awards for her work. As she puts it, This might not seem like a big deal, but organizing can be incredibly wasteful. And if you can teach people to buy less stuff in the first place, it has an impact. Let's find out today how to become more organized, buy less and better to live a more mindful and enjoyable life. I'm very happy Julie joins us today at Sustainability Explored, and I can't wait to discuss this topic with her. We will welcome Julie in a second. Welcome, Julie. I'm so, so happy to have you today with us at Sustainability Explored. I must say it's one of my most favorite topics. It always tickles my imagination how far we can go with our decluttering and how we started cluttering in the first place. But before we start with our, you know, on the topic interview, I'd like to know a little bit more about you. What's your background? How did you start your path in sustainability and the decluttering journey in particular? Well, it first started, I believe you can't separate the personal from the professional. So with your, especially if you're a business owner, what you're, ideals and morals are are automatically going to translate into your business. So I have always loved hiking. I have always loved nature. And so that really as a youth began my interest in being aware of mother earth, being aware of nature, the fragility, how, you know, I personally believe with all the climate change going on, mother earth is not happy. And, you know, she's doing a hurricane to say, Hey, wake up. You've got to make changes. So I was very aware just because of my love of nature. And I always try to be eco-friendly and do what I can. Like we have, I believe you can do things on a small scale and on a big scale. Like we got an electric car for an example. And, you know, I'm so excited for your podcast because one of the things I think is really important is to educate, but I'll get to that in a moment. So anyway, this was always my interest. And then when I started my business in 2009, I'll never forget, I'd been in business a month and I went out to coffee with someone to network. And the first thing she said was, I hate professional organizers. Now, normally I would have been like, oh no, and run away. But I said, well, why? And we ended up having this awesome conversation. And she said, they're so wasteful. And I said, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can be green. You can do all this eco-friendly stuff. And so I left that meeting with my purpose. I said, I'm going to be an eco-organizer. So I did research. No one else was doing it. So I was the first person in the state of North Carolina to focus on eco-friendly organizing and decluttering. And people said to me, you're going you're gonna to fail. There's no way that you can succeed being green. And the opposite happened. I won a national award. I won a regional award. 
And so it has been how I've gone forward with it. But one of the things that I think is really important what I do is educating people. So for example, we are sadly in an HOA here in America called Homeowners Association, where they're crazy. So they denied our request to have solar panels. And they are so backwards in their thinking and they don't understand North Carolina is a third highest rate of return on your solar investment. We are 100%, our roof is 100% south facing, which is ideal. And so you have to educate people to make them aware, to make them understand, because even with data, the unwillingness to have someone install solar, like I can't even wrap my head around it. So I see with people, these small building blocks that I do, if they don't know anything, that eventually allows them to understand more. Does that make sense? It does. First, I have a question. You mentioned that lady at the meeting said life organizers. I'm not familiar with the term and I'm afraid the listeners either. So what I do is I help you organize your life. I also do end of life organizing, right? You might've heard the term Swedish death cleaning because that's something that, so life, so personal life, professional life, kids, anything that involves your life. It's not just organize in which way. So if you have an office, for -hmm. instance, maybe you need to have your office organized so you can find your papers easily or your filing cabinet or your clothes closet or your garage helping that. Does that make sense now? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, now the next question is, I don't even know how to put it. It means that people have so much stuff It comes from abundance, the need to organize life. I have in this room in my office that I share with my husband, we have three drawers each and that's it. This is all the places where our documents are, our electronics, all the cords and stuff. And that's all. And that's great to organize. But in America, it's the opposite. We have too much. You know, we, I mean, look at the houses that we build. I haven't been to the Ukraine, so I don't know what it's like over there, but being, I have traveled through Europe and other countries and, you know, it's a completely different ball game. And so Americans tend to have this attitude, bigger is better, more is better. I think that we finally started to switch that, but the clutter is related to that. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you can't find what you need, maybe you have too much stuff. And you have to do this without judgment. If you shame people, tell them they're wrong, they're just going to get embarrassed and shut down. And what I found in my work, there is usually a reason within. Why are we buying too much? Oh, to fulfill a need. Maybe I don't feel good enough. So I've got to go out and buy more clothes and show my neighbor that I am good enough because I own all these beautiful clothes, right? There's usually that deeper meaning. So when I talk about decluttering your life and work with people, I want to get as deep as we can and figure out what else is going on here. What is driving the need to obtain so much? Is that making sense? Yeah, absolutely. So you have to be even a a psychologist or a life coach to understand the deeper feelings of why people act certain ways. Correct. So I am a certified life coach. I've lived life. I think my life experience definitely helps out in that. And 
it's important to understand that. Now, if I need to think someone really needs professional help, obviously I'd refer them, but that I think is important. And most of the clients that I attract are interested. They know they're stuck, but they might not know, well, how do I move forward? And I just don't know, but I think that that's really important. Now, someone that works with hoarders has much more extensive training because there are usually deep psychological issues behind that. But I'll give you one example. So I had a friend that had a stack of paper about three feet tall. And I was like, well, and been there for years. And I said, well, what's this stack of paper? And so we started to have a conversation and she said, well, those are articles that I'm, I've clipped out and I'm going to send to people. And I said, but they've been sitting here for years. There's this huge pile of papers. And as we talked, she said, I'm afraid if I don't send these articles and keep in communication that my family won't love me. As soon as she expressed that, she was able to know that that wasn't true and that was false. And we put the entire paper pile into the bin, into the recycling bin, because she knew it wasn't. But we had to dig. We had to have this conversation to understand what was the deeper meaning behind that. And as soon as she expressed it, she knew that wasn't true. She knew they loved them. It didn't matter if she sent them a recipe or not. So that's one example of what I'm talking about. Like, find out what's going on. Dig a little deeper. Yeah, that's uh, you're almost describing my father. We are now getting read collectively as a country of certain coins that are out of use nowadays. Banks accept them. Yeah, I, I guess it's a part of the inflation. So coins one, two, five, and twenty-five are out of use, and my father has a well a lot of them. And I'm like, do you understand that in three months it's just going to become garbage? He says, no, it's history. It would have been a history if you would keep one, two of each. Like, okay, but then you have kilos of them. Imagine you will have to move. I'm not going to move. So what he says, and you might have a, an opinion on that. He says, let it sit. It doesn't ask for food. Like it do, you don't have to feed it. So what's your problem? And I don't have anything to say to that. Well, one thing I would suggest I can appreciate him wanting history, but do you know what a shadow box is? So it's like here in America, you can get them. So it's a little frame and it usually has like maybe a black material, velvet material background. And so you could put some of the coins and arrange them in a really pretty way that you could hang on. So you keep a couple of the ones that you think are really beautiful. So you hang that up and you honor history. So I would say to ask your father, what is this costing? Well, first of all, it's taking up space. It's taking up physical space. Everything is energy, whether you believe that from a spiritual perspective or you believe that from a physics perspective. So I would say to your dad, how is this draining you? Like at the back of your mind, drip, 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 there are all these things. And so what is sitting there is actual money. Because a lot of times I'll see to say to people, look around all the clutter in your home. That was money at some point. And now it's clutter. So he has literal money sitting around his house. And I would say, well, what do you want it? You could, what would you like to do with that? Is there something you'd like to buy? You can buy necessities like food, but maybe you want a new winter coat, you know, whatever it is. And so that's literally a physical drain. It's a mental, it's an emotional drain. Even if he can't articulate it, it's there and it's the back of his mind. 
Wonderful. I'm going to try that technique on him. Definitely. I myself went through a decluttering process recently and how it happened. We moved into a new space that was designed with a designer. We are renting this apartment. So it's not mine. And yet, because it's so harmonious here, it started to call for harmony inside. I worked with the stylist, completely changed my wardrobe. It was time to let go of certain things. And funny, you should mention that everything was money at some point. I even managed to sell sweaters, pullovers, pants to sell for a little bit. And, but yet, I needed to be sure that people needed it. To give away is another strategy. But I wanted to first try, you know, to test this idea that if you pay money for it, it means you really need it. So I tried that and it worked. Even certain shoes, my size is not um, common. It's, I have quite a long foot. Uh, so even some of the shoes were sold. And I started to go more and more. I fixed my nutrition. I fixed my sports schedule. Um, I reorganized my papers, even got rid of the documents that made no sense anymore. I'm like, why are we keeping things that are irrelevant, like really irrelevant? So recycling, recycling. And I literally felt I started to breathe differently. Mm -hmm. My posture changed. Mm -hmm. like, wow, exactly what you're talking about energy drainage you're working with people for how many years since 2009 so that's what 11 years 11, 11 years. years did they share with you certain success stories do you have any champions what sure. has been happening in their lives well first of all i'm very proud of you because you have literally decluttered your life and you have seen how it's the inside is reflected on the outside so you are yourself a success story so one example is I had a client who had a bunch of, she put all her papers and her clutter on her dining room table and she was a newlywed. And so they couldn't eat on their, where you're meant to eat. Now, you know, I, I believe food is connection. I'm someone who cooks and, you know, and that's how I connect. And I try to have, my husband works a swing shift, but now works from home. So every night I try, let's try to eat dinner together. Cause I think that's an important time to connect. So once we cleared the dining room table, it improved her marriage because they were able to sit, they were able to take dinner and not understanding, even though it was the one dining room table, how it affected their marriage and how it affected other areas. So that was something I was really excited about. I had a client who her mother-in-law Every time she came over would complain about the house and that upset her. It hurt her feelings. It caused again, another example of strain in the marriage. And once we cleared that, it helped her confidence. It improved her relationship with her mother-in-law improved relationship with her kids and her husband. So those are just a couple examples of what people are able to do. I have another client I worked with recently who really understood the connection between the physical clutter and the rest of her life. Her physical clutter allowed her to apply for some support in housing because she's not in a great housing situation. It allowed her to speak up for herself with medical concerns. Instead of the doctor saying, this is what you need to do, she's able to say, well, can we discuss it more? I have some concern. And so it really reflected more in her outer life and having more confidence, 
standing up for herself, which to me is just as, as valuable as clearing the physical clutter. You know, when we clear our clutter, we can share our gifts with the world because clutter prevents us from doing that. You know, our world is in such a not great state these days, especially here in America. And what if we were to live in a world where everyone was sharing their gifts? If everyone was doing what they were excited and passionate about, we'd look like a completely different world. I really believe that. It's true. It's true. Earlier in our conversation, you said when you referred to that conversation with the lady, I hate life organizers, and you decided to become an eco-organizer. What does it mean? What is the difference? So I teach people to be sustainable when decluttering and when organizing. So as one example, do you know your recycling laws? So as we're decluttering, do you know what we can recycle? Can I provide for you a resource? I know this guy that he'll come haul away the junk, but he recycles what he can, he donates what he can, and he sells what he can. So that way it's not just being thrown in the landfill. When we're organizing, can we upcycle or repurpose? Is there something in the house you already own that I can use instead of having to buy a plastic container and increasing consumerism? It's about making people aware, as we've talked about, why are we buying? What need are you trying to fulfill? You know, if you aren't using it, you don't love it, you don't like it, why are we getting more? And it's in, and about increasing that awareness. And it's not about shame. I don't feel that, that shame is productive. So it's about teaching people to rethink. Do I need that? Why am I buying that as I've talked about? So it's becoming more, it's about awareness and taking action to create change. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely it does. Did you have to deal with convincing people or do you only help those that come pre-convinced? No, I, I have, but... I will meet people where they are. So I am always trying in conversations or if having to make a referral to slip in education. And so most of the time people are like, hey, that's really cool, I didn't know that. And in a couple instances, I believe I've planted seeds. So maybe they weren't ready to do something today, but that doesn't mean down the road they won't be. And again, if you do it from a place of love, Instead of shaming, blaming, and judging, people are more open to hearing it. Someone who wants to start decluttering, what, what would you suggest to do the, in the first steps or, and what to avoid? Great question. So I would say it really depends on how much stuff you have. Maybe you have a deadline. For instance, you're getting shelves installed in the closet, so you might want to start there. Or if you're not paying your mortgage on time because your office is so full of paper clutter, you're going to want to start decluttering in your office. Or if you're, you aren't getting good sleep and your health is out of whack because you have a bunch of stuff on your bed and can't sleep, that's where you're going to want to start. Ouch. So I would look at things like that or what's driving you absolutely insane. Start there. And then what I'd say is if you're a morning person, don't try to declutter at night. Do it when you're in the right frame of mind. If you're really stressed out at work, it's probably not the best time to start to declutter. I also remind people that small steps add up to big wins. If you spend 10 minutes a day decluttering, that's over 60 hours in a year. 
just over 60 hours. You, I mean, that's over a, a week of work. You can get a lot accomplished. And those little steps build upon each other. When you take that first step, it allows you to take that second step. So if you're listening and like my whole house needs to cluttered, don't look, become overwhelmed and look at the big picture. Focus on what first step can I take? What can I do right in this moment? And I'm going to ask everyone watching and listening, what one step can you take to declutter your life right now? It might mean saying no to something you don't want to do. It might mean stopping right now and taking 10 deep breaths. It might say, you know what? I never wear that blouse anymore. I'm going to donate it or give it to a friend or try to sell it. Small steps add up to big wins. You know, it makes me think that digital space is becoming more real than the physical space. Do you have any tips for those who tend to accumulate emails, for example, or, I don't know, promotions, promotion materials and updates from shops and, I don't know, applications they never use? That's a great... You should be calling your apps and electronics and technology you don't use on a regular basis. I'd say every six months or a year, most definitely. What apps aren't you using on your iPad? Let those go. Email, oh my goodness, we can get really sucked into that. So that's where you really got to exercise discernment. So if you delete it every time, take two seconds to hit the unsubscribe button. There are also apps out there like Unroll Me where you can, they'll do an analysis and say, hey, I think you should delete all these emails because you haven't opened them in six months. And that, you know, if you want to spend a little bit of money can help you in one fell swoop really to clutter. So take the time to unscribe or find something like unroll me. If you're really not interested, then let it go. And then I say create folders for stuff that you really need to save and need easy access to. But then you're going to want to declutter those. If you haven't looked at them in a year, why are you still holding on to them? And again, be smart. If you like, for instance, I have most of our cats health and medical records in an email. I'm going to keep those in case I need to reference something. So, you know, or if it's something for taxes, I have folders for taxes, but once we've hit seven years, so anything from 2012 and earlier here in the U S they recommend holding on for seven years, they can be deleted. I don't need to hold on to that anymore. So those are just mm -hmm. a few tips. Right. You know, about continuing the digital detox topic, I guess it's connected to the fear of missing out. FOMO. You know, if we go down deep down the psychological meaning, like, yes, but how will I unsubscribe? Maybe there will be something interesting for me in the future. So I don't want to let go just yet. What, what does it have to say about us? Well, I have two thoughts on that. One, ask yourself, can you trust that you'll get what you need when you need it? So that when you want to find that really nice date outfit, that all of a sudden it'll pop up in your newsfeed or you'll get an email about it. And then the other thing, flip that FOMO, fear of missing out to joy of missing out. Wow. Look at that digital clutter you released. I recently was off Facebook. I think Facebook is awful and I hate it. And if I didn't have a business, I would remove myself completely. I was off Facebook for five weeks and boy, did it feel good. I had someone crazy come on my wall with all this anger and I'm like, what am I doing? So I stepped back. I deleted the app from my iPad to make that easier. 
and it made a huge difference. And so I let it go. And the mental clutter I released of not stealing craziness on Facebook, the emotional clutter that I was able to let go of, I felt it was like a weight had been lifted. So those are two things. Consider, can you trust you'll get what you need when you need it? And what joy can you find of missing out? Yeah, yeah. Do you work only with individuals or with companies, organizations, corporations too? I do more so in the speaking and the presenting. Uh huh. Okay. So they don't invite external people to declutter their archives, paper archives, for example. They do, but that's not something I specialize in. I'm more interested in working with individuals to create individual change. Now, I love speaking and presenting. I love to do corporate presentations, but that's where my focus is as opposed to having a an archival clean out. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. help with that, but I, I get excited seeing personal change and making a difference there. I, that's where I like to have my impact. That's cool. What are your professional dreams, goals, aspirations for 2021? 2020 was hard enough already. <laughs> Let's think positive now. I, I'm with you. I'm going to call this current year, the year that shall not be named. So in 2021, I've got big changes coming up. We're moving. We are going back to my childhood town in Wheeling, West Virginia. So I've got, we downsized last year and did the process again this year. I am going to be working on books. I currently have 10 journal prompt books and I have another book that's more DIY called Clear Your Clutter Inside and Out. So I hope to write two more personal books because that's about clearing my inner clutter and that's important to me. And I'm working on an end of life book as well. So it's going to be a lot of writing next year is that's really important to me. And I have been studying plant medicine. And so I believe everything I consider myself holistic is related. So how can I bring what I'm learning about plants into my practice? So for instance, if you're stressed out, let's have some oat straw tea. Here are some things you might want to explore. And I have been making my own flower essences and love that and think that's very amazing. So I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm, I'm doing the course through the end of March and then I'm going to retake the entire thing because there's so much incredible information, but that's, those are what I'm going to be working on in 2021. Wow. I have one more question. When you say organization, organizing the end of life yes, and that Swedish concept that you mentioned, I'm familiar with the idea, like declutter and imagine what people will see once you're gone, how they're going to find your space. But I let you expand on the, on the topic. Sure. What so it's it a couple of things. First of all, When you go on to the next great adventure, you don't want to leave your loved ones stressed out. You want to be able to provide peace of mind. Did they know what you want for your funeral? Have you planned that all? What's your legacy? What do you want people? Maybe it doesn't, it's not about being famous. It's about what would my family like to know? What would I like to leave them? Maybe you want to leave them. These are my values. These are the principles that I have lived my life by. And I want to get that down for you. If they're an artist, maybe you want to have information from all their artwork. 
that they can, maybe it's going to a museum. Maybe you want it in your, the homes of your loved ones, but you know, taking the time to say, this is what this piece was about. Do you have legal paperwork? Now, I don't know how it is in the Ukraine, but for example, there are multiple famous cases, Aretha Franklin, it's still being debated. You know, they found a will in the, in the couch cushion, you know, they're contesting that now Prince didn't leave a will and he's been gone, what, three or four years now. And so you're leaving people stressed out. Well, what did he want? What were his wishes? What are the passwords? Maybe you don't want to be on Facebook when you go. And if you don't have passwords, at least here in America, like with email, you can't necessarily, you have to get a court order to get the email open and they might not allow you to do that. And so there are all these things that you have to think about to make life easier for those you're living behind. We're a cat family. I can't tell you how many pets get thrown out on the streets because there weren't any plans made for that. I, when I go, I don't want to be on machines. Don't go nuts. I want to make sure that that's understood. I said to my nephew the other day, I lose my mind, smother me with a pillow. I don't want to stay in this condition. So truly it's, that's what my wish is. I I don't want to be a burden to everyone. So it's about organizing all of that and taking care of that. You know, what I say is have a binder, create all the information. Where's the key for the safety deposit box? What do you want to happen? And then no one's left behind. Then you've given the gift of peace of mind. And then there's the whole other piece of all your stuff. You know, most kids today, most younger generations don't want a lot of stuff and they're having to deal with cleaning out their parents' home. I want to tell you something. If you accumulated stuff over 40 or 50 years here in America, that's a lot of stuff. That's not something that's going to be done in a day. That's months. I had a friend that spent 18 months, not every day, but cleaning out her parents' home. Not, you know, not every weekend, but 18 months of your life clearing out clutter from a home. Is that how you want to spend your time? Is that what you want your leave for your loved ones? Probably not. But you know, the problem is that no one knows when this end of life happens. So when is the right time to prepare? Now, right now, because you never know when your number is called right now. I don't care if you're young, you're a lot younger than me. You should have, you should have all that now. Everyone should. Right. Well, oh, calls for call for action, you know. But yeah, th- yeah. that's right. I completely share your point of view. And uh, there is a saying. I said it yesterday. I don't know how to translate. Life is uncertain. The saying is Ukrainian is more uh, snappy. But mm-hmm. yeah, life is uncertain. You you may you you don't know. You may not know. Not anticipate when your number is called, as you say. My mother has been very ill. And this is one of the reasons the year has has been awful. And so she had unexpectedly two heart attacks and a stroke. Now, two or three years ago, and this is why I got involved with end of life organization. My father had my siblings and I sit down with an attorney, with an accountant. Now, my parents aren't wealthy. And so that's the other thing. I don't care if you don't have a lot of assets, you want a legal document. You can do something like here in the US, I think it's called LegalZoom and prepare that, or you can make a document and have it notarized, but everyone should be doing this. And so 
my dad had said, this is what we want. What are your questions? And so, uh, and we said, okay, here are our questions, but a lot of things we, okay, these are their wishes. This is what they want to happen. So when my mom became ill and thankfully she's better and hopefully we're going to have her around for a much longer time. I didn't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about any of that now. I already know what her wishes are. I already know what questions they had and what we had. That meant I can focus on my mother, on loving my mother, helping taking care of my mother, not being like, hey, where's the key to the deposit box? Hey, what do you want to happen? I don't have to worry about that. So peace of mind, you can't put a price tag on that. You know, it sounds like it's definitely better to do now that we are safe, sound, alive, healthy than last moment what the time you really don't want to spend on figuring out where is the key to the safe deposit you know exactly exactly but you know on a more philosophical note when you were saying maybe someone was a painter and you want to give it to the museum or give it to um, family members there is a in the back of my mind sort of a negative connotation today the person is alive it's a living person, it's nice, it's, uh, it's good to touch the person. The next day, the person is not alive. And suddenly, ooh, we are afraid of something I cannot even formulate properly. And suddenly, no, uh, superstitious, maybe. I don't want to touch the clothes. I don't want to have anything with that stuff. Like, uh, what I is think wrong? That- I don't think there's anything wrong. I think that's an individual belief. Like for instance, I have a painting that was in my grandparents' home when I was growing up. And so it brings me joy when I look at it. That's, it reminds me of my grandmother. So I don't see that as something bad. Now, again, now what I would also say is if you really believe that you can do a space clearing, change the energy around it. You can get sage to smoke out any negative energy you feel. Now I would say if you really feel a negative attachment or negative energy, let that go. But you know, we're all going to die. It's just a question of when. So then I would probably say if someone has that strong of a reaction, maybe spend time contemplating what you feel about death. Maybe there's, it's really about their own mortality and their own fear of death, as opposed to, you know, oh, now someone's dead. And the other thing I want to say is, you know, I've worked with people who have held onto boxes of stuff for years that were left to them that didn't care enough to open about them, but are afraid to let them go. And this is what I always say. That loved one has gone on to the next adventure. They would want you to be happy. If you don't like it, let it go. They don't want, they wouldn't want their possessions or their memory to be a burden on you they would want you to be happy so it's never about actual things it's about the philosophy it's about the connotations the feelings the attachments we have um to in my it. view it is p other people might not take that view but in my view yes and i i love your your view Thank and you. i tend to share it yes i'm also more of a tend to look into the essence, into the core of things. So why am I buying? Why am I accumulating? I had back to the, you know, <laughs> back to the physical world. I had um, a blues with a long sleeve 
and I've been moving quite a bit in the past couple of years. So whatever I didn't take with me to another country, I would leave at my parents. Then I would pick it up from my parents, go to another place. It has been like that for like two, three years, two and a half years until we, it arrived again to the new apartment. And I started trying that close out and that long sleeve turned out to be short like this. I'm like, my God, so, and this is not the only thing, obviously, but that one I kept, it was um, snow white color, like I needed to keep and then, ah, okay, so I cannot wear it. Anyway, so why, why was I carrying these kilos? I was paying for movers, for movers to move my stuff from one place to another. Ah, all that luggage, all those air fares. That's just not right. So, well, you're not alone. You're not alone. And it's a process. Like you've done a lot of work and you can see the results. And that's why I say, take that one step. Just begin, and the more you do it, the easier it becomes, really. Mm -hmm. Julie, what would be your one piece of advice for the listeners? You have to pick up one thing. Okay, one thing. I would say to remember that no matter what happens in life, you are good enough, you are worthy enough, and you are loved. Because in my view, in my experience, the clutter is about the deeper issue. And a lot of times, if you felt good enough, you wouldn't have to worry about accumulating a huge wardrobe. If you felt worthy, you wouldn't allow yourself to be in an unhealthy relationship. And if you felt loved, you wouldn't allow all types of clutter to accumulate in your life. So no matter what happens, you're good enough, you're worthy enough, and you're loved. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a joy speaking with you today and all the best for 2021. Thank for you, you so much for the listeners. Thank, Thank you. you. Ciao, ciao. Well, that was Julie Coraccio and I love this interview. I really hope you also got inspired, learned something new today. We've been, uh, we went a little bit philosophical, but it felt needed. I really appreciated it. If you have any questions for me or Julie, reach out on LinkedIn. We're both there, approachable, findable, and eager to talk. If you like the podcast, you know what to do. Subscribe, share on your uh, social media, leave a review on the platform you're listening on. Especially if you leave a review on our Podchaser page, just look for Sustainability Explored, or on iTunes. Reading your review, replying to you, getting back to you on that always makes me very, very happy. Well, finally, yes, find me on LinkedIn, challenge me with your questions, suggest guests or topics you'd like me to cover in the future. I will certainly try to make it happen to, to record those interviews with people you're most interested in having on Sustainability Export. This was Sustainability Explored, end of season six, and me, your host, Anna Chashina. Thank you again for listening, for being with us today and always. And until next time, next Thursday, take care, stay sustainable. Bye-bye.